Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the BCVA Cattlecast. I am Kat Hart, I'm a practicing cattle vet based in Wiltshire and Gloucestershire and I'm also a member on the BCVA board. I've just come back from maternity leave and myself and Jenny thought we'd share some of our thoughts and ideas of what we did and didn't do during our pregnancy and how we managed our return to work. So hopefully these next few minutes will be an open and honest conversation of what we managed to achieve. So just a bit of background to me. I graduated um, now nearly 10 years ago, back in uh, 2011 from the Uni of Bristol. I've been with my, at that point, fiancé quite a while. So we quite quickly got married. And I think the expectation definitely from work and obviously close family friends was always when are you going to get pregnant when when are the babies coming along but yeah that didn't happen uh, for quite a while I really wanted to focus on the career back in school and everything else when and younger there was a lot of family chat in some of my other friends you know that was always their life ambition but it sort of wasn't really high on my agenda for quite a while so as soon as I started work quite quickly settled into farm work and then sort of two years down the line, I think when you're confident on doing your Caesars and your DAs and all those sort of first line things, which you're nervous about when you started, that was when I started to focus on the young stock and calf things. So that sort of filled my time for the next few years. One thing before we started our sort of family life was I really wanted to get my certificate done. I think this was more of a worry about how work would deal with me after if I got pregnant um, before we'd even started trying or anything I really wanted to get my certificate under my belt so if I had to move jobs at least there's sort of that line in the sand so I did that between 2014 and 2016 so I achieved that which was great and then yeah luckily enough I got pregnant with um, Freddie my first one he's now four and went back to work then went back to work as full four days a week and on call so did drop a few hours but nothing dramatic and then Percy came along sort of three years later so I've been on maternity and returned to work twice now which is why I thought we'd have a chat about it and yeah see how we're getting on. So my name's Jenny Hull. I graduated from RBC in 2007 and I worked in initially mixed and then farm practice as an employee for 10 years. And then I'm one of the founding partners of uh, Black Sheep Farm Health, which is 100% largely beef and sheep practice. And I... I started my certificate as an employee and a practice and then managed to finish the last module I needed to do whilst being a business owner, whilst setting up a new practice, which was definitely hardcore. But yes, uh, like you, Kat, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got my, my certificate uh, out the way. I certainly couldn't manage it with a little one. And so really Black Sheep Farm Health, my new practice was my baby initially. Um, and I did feel really guilty about so we sort of had we'd been treating for two years and I was aware my biological clock was ticking and we'd always talked about having children and so we decided to start trying for children and either unfortunately or fortunately uh, we got pregnant very very quickly which took some adapting to to get my head around uh, with that it did make me feel guilty that I had this new practice and I'd sort of given two years to this practice and uh, and it was still in its infancy when I was going to potentially be 
not disappearing, but disappearing for a little while, and then sort of been pulled in different directions by um, by having time off and having a little one. And yeah, so my son George now is uh, 13 months. So I took three months maternity and went back to work um, when he was sort of just just over three months old. I think that feeling of guilt is quite a common one. Um, I definitely remember saying so I'm in quite a large vet team um, on the farm side. What is there? 16 of us now. And overall, the practice covers um, pig, equine and small animal as well. But within the farm team, we do sort of work as a quite an isolated team. But there's quite a few females of a similar age so that feeling of guilt did make me have some quite awkward conversations with colleagues when we were thinking we sort of agreed we were going to try for kids and nothing had really we hadn't gone any further yet but to try and check that not too many of us were off at the same time Um, and really thinking about that from any other field of work I don't think that would necessarily happen so that feeling of guilt to your employers or your colleagues not trying to all be off at the same time and loading the work onto them I think is quite common actually. Yeah definitely and it is and and like you say so many people do feel guilty about it it is that that mum guilt that idea has just been pulled in different directions like we are a team of four vets and so although we're a very small tight-knit team the guilt no different in terms of I felt guilty for making others do more work or potentially having to do more work because I was firstly pregnant and then off on maternity and the business had to fund a locum and the cost of that and so that did that you know that definitely made me feel guilty but it is so hard it is it's kind of I suppose it's it's professional women and professional women in leadership roles um and it's just that um that pull of feeling like you have to sacrifice your career and feeling guilty that you're sacrificing your career and making other people do more work because you want to go off and have babies and it's um it is so hard and it's it's such a such a pull and there's no easy way around it. I mean, I was very gung-ho, rightly or wrongly. I was very much gung-ho in that I would say, right, you know, I'm not I'm not going to let my pregnancy stop me doing anything. I'm going to have to, I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do everything that I needed to do. And I, I pretty much did everything through my pregnancy, rightly or wrongly. Um, but it was my decision. It's much harder as an employee, I'm sure. But you've got to do what you're comfortable with and I was comfortable with the only thing I mean I got pregnant at the uh, in the middle of lambing time so I actually did something in the region of 20 lambings and caesars uh, a goat kidding and lambed my own small flock of uh, pedigree sheep whilst early pregnant having no idea I was early pregnant so it wasn't until sort of the, the beginning of May that I thought Oh, so I, I wasn't meant to do a lambing season while I was pregnant. The whole plan of trying to get pregnant was to do it between lambing seasons. And I ended up very early pregnant through a very busy lambing season, not realising it. You know, heaven forbid I ever thought I would get pregnant right at the start of trying to get pregnant. So the only thing I turned down was I think I was about seven or eight months pregnant and uh, a caesarean came in on a mad heifer on a farm that was a new client. Um, I didn't know them 
Um, I didn't know the setup. I didn't know the cattle. And I just, I ended up ringing the second vet on call and said, um, yeah, maybe you should go to this. And he said, yes, yes, maybe I should go to this. And I'm glad I did because it was basically an old pole barn with this cracked heifer tied into tied to a telegraph pole in the middle of the pole barn. Uh, she ended up going down and it was just a nightmare trying to lift the calf. One doddery old guy to help. And I'm glad I didn't go. Whereas most places I went to, most cesareans I did, the most carvings I did, I know my clients, I know the farm, I know the setup, I know the cattle, and I was comfortable going out to do them because I know that, right, they've got a really good set of stocks, right, he's got a carving gate, the heifers are the heifers are quiet, He's uh, he's got good equipment, the son's there, the other son's there, they're all big strapping young lads. I know I can be comfortable and I can know I can be safe, but it is it is it does end up being your decision what you do whilst pregnant. Um, and especially in the early days when you, you don't want to tell anyone. So I told my two business partners very early on because they needed to know um, and we needed to start putting plans in place for the long term for the practice uh, and sort of potentially what we were going to do in terms of a locum etc um, but I I don't know I felt I felt like I was letting my clients down so I left it very late I didn't tell most clients I didn't tell until I actually started showing and I showed quite late I was six seven months before I told clients but it's it's each each, each to their own I, I, I felt almost sort of kind of ashamed or guilty of about it so I kind of um I didn't want to share it and also there's that worry that you know you there's a 12-week scan and a 20-week scan and and you you want to know everything's okay before you do start telling people I mean I don't know what was it like for you Kat um so yeah the the first pregnancy I sort of went down the traditional route of I didn't tell my bosses until after that 12-week scan which actually I got my dates quite a bit wrong and it was actually the full 16 weeks so in a way it was good that I didn't tell them because I would have told them the wrong thing so yeah I just didn't say to anyone colleagues or farmers until the 12-week scan then said it and then obviously work went into the panic mode of going through all the risk assessments and everything from them. They had had literally the year before one of my colleagues had been pregnant and went on maternity. So hopefully it was all still fairly fresh in their mind. Um, some things were fairly sensible. You said about lambing. Yeah, I again timed mine. Uh, so didn't go cross over lambing season. So that wasn't an issue. But being mainly a dairy practice, obviously the progesterones was more of a problem. I guess being female in this industry and fairly private person I guess I always train myself to do all my fertility sessions triple gloving so you do a long arm glove then a short sort of small glove so you can still feel everything and then a long glove on top so mm -hmm. I, it's quite useful because it keeps yourself quite a lot cleaner so if you've got a DA to do at the end of a session but equally you've got then three layers of protection in in case you did get pregnant or before you knew you were pregnant that sort of stage so I was always doing that anyway and on most of my routine farms the farmer um, was doing the injecting anyway after I'd had a feel and um, decided what we were going to do for a treatment. So that was sort of semi in place before. So farmers didn't notice the change, which I think was helpful. But from a telling farmer's point of view, it was, yeah, 
probably when I was showing, although you'd be surprised, you go on farm, you put your waterproofs on, you wash off, and then you go and find the farmer, do whatever. And it was only when you go back to the car, take your waterproofs off to write the ticket, and they're like, oh, where was that? It's like, it's been there all the time. Trust me, I haven't just suddenly created a pregnancy bump. It's been there the whole time. So it wasn't really top of my agenda to discuss with farmers unless they were sort of my routine farmers or I thought it was um, affecting what I was going to do on the day but it did surprise me how many other farmers suddenly became sort of proper gentlemen and can I carry this for you can I open this gate can I do that and definitely in my first pregnancy it was like no 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 as you said no we'll battle on like keep going show show a pregnant woman it's not a disease it's just you know a physiological state but the second pregnancy I did find a bit harder whether it was because I was chasing around a uh, older one as well um, or whether all pregnancies are different as well um, but there was a lot more being sick on farm so having to park in unusual places and oh I've just got to go and get this a minute um, and I think quite a few farmers <laughs> had guessed the second time round, um, if I'm being honest but yeah and I definitely learned to take all the gentlemanly gestures of opening gates a lot more second pregnancy of yep that's fine you can carry everything you can open as many gates as you want that's fine did you get any well, negative reactions and, and how did you deal with that? Yes. And one of them was actually on one of my most regular and biggest sessions, which was a bit hard to deal with at the time. He just went sort of quite distant um, and a bit off. And then actually it was the herdsman that started doing the sessions with me rather than the owner. And it was uh, there was other business changes going on as well. So I tried to put it down to that. Um, but actually we chatted um later and it was that he didn't want anything to happen to me on his farm so it wasn't necessarily to do with the pregnancy itself or me making the wrong decision why am I getting pregnant which sort of I'd built up in my head and I'm abandoning him kind of thing it was more like oh we've got to be really careful so I think it was more yeah pressure and guilt on his side rather than anything I was doing differently. Yeah I would I would probably say the same that I felt like I was I felt bad that I was abandoning them and that they would um, sort of, they wouldn't be very happy about the fact that they sort of, you know, joined us as a practice and been with us two years. And then I was disappearing off on, on maternity and, and, and I was worried about that, but no, the only, um, uh, and it's not even negative, but it did, it did hurt, it, you know, some, a quite a, you know, close farmer turning around and saying, oh, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm comfortable having you on my farm and in amongst my stock whilst pregnant. But that, that was the only person that had voiced it. I did find out after that one or two folk had, had said I was absolutely mad for being in amongst cattle PDing and everything and blood sampling whilst pregnant. They, um, but they never said anything to my face. It was only sort of, I found out, out that afterwards, sort of going back to work months later. Yeah, just doing what you're happy with is really important because obviously as an employee we went through a lot of things in the risk assessment so it was sort of written down not to do any foot trimming or lameness work um, not to do any castrates or disbuds but again I think it was knowing the farmers and knowing the equipment so I yeah. did do some feet it's not I don't particularly love lame feet and lame lameness work so it wasn't something that was high on my list of arguing about but I thought if the farmer had lifted it and secured it in place then me trimming it was a minimal risk so I did do some and again it's a bit like castrates well there's quite a difference between a 14 month old castrate that's never seen a person with a crush that if you blew on it would fall apart yeah. compared to yeah a pre-weaned like six week old calf in really good handling facilities you know that's really clean and 
they're a lot smaller really so I think it is being confident enough to say no when you feel like it isn't safe but actually being sensible enough to yeah definitely okay that that's what made me feel comfortable that I had a uh, you know I had a, a good relationship with my farmers but but I, I I knew the farmer I knew the stock and knew the equipment I knew the setup and I and then that was what put me off that the farm I'd the new client that I'd never been to before and uh, and I just I didn't know the setup but I imagined it was wasn't going to be good and that was that was what put me off quite late on but I was probably far too gung-ho um and I just I I did run around feeling like I had something to prove that that as you say it's not a disease um it, it it's a f- physiological state is pregnancy and and it's okay to be pregnant and it's okay to be a vet and pregnant it's okay to be a farm vet and pregnant it's okay to be a business owner and pregnant i think the farm vet world ha- is going to have to change very quickly and 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 adapt to sort of it's 60 70% of workforce be having a set of ovaries and potentially having um t- wanting um time off and uh, and being pregnant and working whilst pregnant it's it's something that we're going to have to make a good job of i mean the practice i started out at maternity was a dirty word it was very much a dirty word was was you know you were you were letting the, the company down you were costing the company money if you were to be pregnant and go off on maternity leave and you certainly couldn't come back to the farm department once you'd had once you wanted to come back part-time that was it once once you'd had babies and you were coming back part-time you got dumped in the small animal department and you know the equine and farm department didn't want you and that was it and I can think of several uh, and that as a as a new grad as a recent grad and a recent female want to do farm work that was that they were my mentors they were that's all I could see was all these older female vets that were were, were going off having been getting pregnant and going off on maternity and and never coming back to the the farm department that's that's all I could see and I think if anything now going forward I think we ought to champion um more of those farm vets that 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 are having kids and staying in the farm um practice and and sort of you know and and showing that you can do both and and you can do both well yeah so when I returned to work um after my first one I did go back to four days a week and on call um and that seemed to work really well for everyone so just dropped those few hours so we traditionally had a four and a half day week and on call um so just dropping down to four days and that was nice so you did have your sort of family day at home to get all the house jobs done which unfortunately also mount as your family grows um which maybe I hadn't planned on and budgeted for quite enough but yeah, that that worked. Whereas after my second, um, I did decide to go to three days a week with no on call, which I know um, was a lot harder to. For hopefully, I think my bosses were okay with it. Um, but I think some of the members of the farm team found that that a bit harder coming off on call. But my job role has slightly changed again. I think I was a bit more confident and open with the the team as to why that had happened and why we'd gone down that route and I think that really helped rather than if I'd have just gone right I'm not doing on call and not really discussed it I think that could have become a bit of an elephant in the room discussion point but it is possible to be a farm vet with no on call yeah yeah so I've gone back to work so I took three months maternity and went back to work and um, I work the same I do four days a week 
um, but have still do, done full on call. And because we're a, a, a small, relatively new startup, we've got quite heavy um, a call. So it's a one in two first and second on call and most of the the spring's very busy but most of the year is is relatively quiet but you still are on call and it has simply just meant that that myself and my husband has had to be organized um we both have google calendars that run in sync so that we he knows when i'm on call and that he needs to be at least nearby when he's working so that if i have to dump a child and run then he's he's not very far away so it it, it does just take a bit more organization and uh and it, it just it it kind of works it works for us but i've you know just with the one little one it's um it, it's just managing it it's a big it's just adapting your life and a big a big change really and and, and just figuring out what works for individual families and, and different people i think looking back on this and definitely preparing uh for this podcast has tried to make me draw out the positives because i think when you're in that bubble of oh, I've got to get this room ready for preschool. I've got to do this and get this nappy ready for that and change this and make sure we've got milk made for that. Um, you're sort of always thinking, have I put enough time into work? Is this done? Whereas actually trying to step back a little bit, I think it does teach you a lot of that organisation, yes, which I think I was organised before, but how to prioritise things, I think gets a bit more essential because you can't actually fit in all those tiny little jobs sometimes. But equally, things like communication and negotiation with my four-year-old is becoming a very honed skill, how to negotiate um, what you want out of a situation. So I think there are um, a lot of positives. And obviously, crisis management seems to be a daily occurrence, really, um, in my life at the moment. So you get a lot of practice in some of those sort of soft skill areas, which actually, as an industry, I think is something that traditionally we haven't really put enough focus on so I think moving forward for more females in leadership within farm practice that actually making sure that we value those positives that I think uh, motherhood brings us as working women yeah definitely I have a friend who's a graphic designer who who says she would employ a mother over anyone else because she says they are the best at time management and they know that everything needs to be done at work done dusted get on get it done because their sort of home time is sacred so everything is the the constant rather than sort of daydreaming and faffing around and and thinking oh well you know doesn't matter if we go home late they come in get their work done and and uh, and get home because they've they've learned that um that time management and just applying um themselves and getting on and getting stuff done to go home and then enjoy their evenings is um uh is is a real asset to her business and um and that's kind of one way to uh to to look at it that you can you know it's it's maternity's not and children aren't a dirty word it can be it can be done and it can be done uh, well and you shouldn't have to uh, I mean there was a, a phrase on a, a leadership um, thing I watched a while ago in terms of women in leadership and and her phrase was that the men in her business thought that she would simply push out her amb- ambition with her child that that once you've had children that's it your uh, your career's over and your ambition's over and she said that doesn't have to be the case at all you you can have both and can do both and do do a good job and it just like say a bit more time management a bit more organizing and uh, uh and when you're at work you you're at work and uh, and when you're at home you're at home sort of thing so was i think there... it does definitely 
push you to really value that quality time. So whether that's, you know, quality time with the family, which I think everyone sort of realises it might not be the quantity that some mums that, you know, want to be stay at home mums, which I'm sure is a a hard job in itself. But um, with us choosing to go back to work, I think the quality of that family time is important. But then I think for us to enjoy our careers moving forward, I still think I'm as a bit as ambitious as I was before is, yeah, you are more focused. I think when you are like making the most of each conversation when you're on farm, it's actually, have I remembered to mention that? Have I done this? Have I done that? Rather than you sort of are on automatic pilot a little bit. Um, So I think that's, that's changed. You're a bit more switched on when you're at work as well. And what did you find hard or easy about going back to work? Did you enjoy going back to work? Um, Yeah, the first time I did find it really hard. I think it was more from what I expected of myself point of view. So when I was on farm, it was fine. You know, within a few weeks, I'd adjusted to the protocols and drug names and that that seemed to be fine. Um, But it was more that office time that I think I was feeling pressured, um, whether I was making the the most use of all my time then. Um, Whereas this time I've done it a bit differently um, and done a few more kit days to get to know the team um, a bit better and equally to keep in touch, which is what a kit day is, I guess, with the protocols and drugs. So I was a bit more confident, whether that's just with age and um, or whether it is knowing the team a bit better, I don't know. Whereas this time going back to work, I've definitely felt a lot more confident, I think, in what to expect from myself and just see how it goes a bit more. How have you found coming back to work? Uh, you see, I, again, it was probably my gung-ho attitude and my guilt that I was abandoning my first baby, which is the new practice, that I always envisaged. Um, I asked someone else uh, in a similar situation that was a business owner and was pregnant. I said, well, what did you do? And she said, well, I took three months off and uh, we got a look come in and I went back to work after three months. And I said, well, yeah, I'll do that. Let's do that. Had a bit of a, a, a rough um sort of uh labor and then a rough few months and i remember sort of probably uh, when my little one was about month six weeks old i remember thinking oh my god how am i going to manage to go back to work in six weeks i'm just not going to manage this how and i've got it was coming into busy springtime the locum we had who was fantastic was going on to other jobs so couldn't stay and help us so I'd, i'd i had a deadline that i had to go back at three months we we couldn't we couldn't afford me to not be at work and we couldn't afford to um we couldn't we wouldn't be able to find a locum for that busy time and so but actually by the time we got to three months we sort of turned a corner and and I was feeling better and and just managing a um a, a newborn uh a terrorist and sleep thief that is a a newborn child and I um and I went back to after three months and I'd I had kept in touch because I was a business owner we still had partners meetings I was still I still did the wages I still did the accounts and I still paid all the bills whilst on maternity certainly not for the first six weeks because I um uh, I could barely get my out of my pajamas in the morning but certainly sort of after that I did I kept in touch with what was going on with the business largely and I was always in and out and and coming in with the bringing my little one in to see everyone so um my maternity was probably a lot a little bit different to many people's in that I was one of the COVID generation I think we're probably going to call them that I 
I went back to, I think, lo- first first lockdown was to something like the 24th of March 2020. And I went back to work on Friday, the 27th, which would have been, it. I went back onto the on-call rota that Friday night, back to school, as it were, after three months off. And I... Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I had friends who had taken a year's maternity that were saying, oh my God, it's so rubbish. There's no baby classes. There's nothing happening. I can't go anywhere. I can't go out for lunch. I can't see my parents. And I was like, ah, it's brilliant. I've gone back to work, driving around the countryside, seeing all my clients I haven't seen for three months, chatting to everyone. Ah, it's brilliant. Getting out and about, dumping small child on someone else to look after while I go and do eight hours work. It was fantastic. So I was probably, I really enjoyed going back to work. I was knackered and I wasn't, I mean, we got to the stage where little one slept great till about midnight and then he was awake every hour from midnight. So I probably was a walking zombie. I looked very pale when I looked back at the photos and and probably, I, w- I don't know how I functioned, but I did manage to function. But I actually, I, I enjoyed going back to work and 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 getting back out of the house. But uh, I, I'm probably not naturally a mumsy mumsy, and I I did enjoy going. But I think it was getting out and seeing people. Like you know, I'm naturally someone that that likes spends time chatting to farmers, you know, watching the world go by, you know, kind of putting the world to rights with them. And so I'm someone that naturally does that. And and I'd missed that, been stuck inside with small screaming terrorist for for three months so I did I enjoyed going back to work and and as I say I don't know whether I would have felt more rusty and more out of it if I'd taken a full year and 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 that's probably why them keeping in touch days there are probably really important in that respect but um but yeah I would be probably known as the uh, as the COVID generation maybe because of of just how that all panned out but it it, it works for me and I think it's whatever works for people everyone's different every pregnancy is different every baby's different whatever works to keep everyone happy everyone sane and everyone happy I've got a friend who says that if mum's happy then baby's happy and so it's whatever, whether mum is at home full time for a full 12 months maternity or whether mum wants to go back to work after three months and the, the baby goes into sort of childcare or, or um, parents looking after or whatever. It, it's whatever works for each individual family in different situations. And, and what works for me is having a day a week at home with him and then working four days a week works for, for our family. Yeah, so this time I did take the 12 months off. Um, I don't think that affected whether that this time I found it easier going back to work. But I think my decision for taking the, the 12 months off was a bit of a mixture in that COVID did have a part to play. Um, but I think, you know, you only get those beginning stages once um, and it's really important to make the most of them. But then as you move through different phases, you realise that actually the fact when they're, you know, four and we're just starting to, you know, write and colouring and doing things like that, then you wouldn't want to miss that either. So I think you can guilt trip yourself through all all the stages, I'm sure, until they're 20, even 25, you know, that you're missing out on things. So I think you've just got to really focus on that when you're with them, spending the quality time together, and then hopefully you won't miss as much. 
Yeah, and like I say, the mum guilt there. You when you speak to a lot of people, the 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 that is just that mum guilt that you you know you aren't spending enough time with them, or you aren't spending enough time at work, or you uh, having a child has taken your focus off sort of your work and your career. And I hadn't really looked at it in terms of the positives, but I would I would definitely get on and get stuff done at work, and then. Uh, you know kind of going picking him up and taking him home and having the evening with him before we have tea and go to bed uh, and put him to bed that yeah that that becomes very important I think and I definitely probably one of the one of the negatives is I I don't tend to watch any webinars in the evening I tend to leave them all recording and then watch them try and watch them at work during the day I think that's just the you know missing missing bath time and bedtime to to, to go watch a webinar that's def- definitely something I have done differently but again COVID generation this year I would have you know bcba congress i would have been away from tuesday night to saturday night um i you know i've never actually spent a night away from him since he's been born and um and whereas that definitely definitely would not have been the case i would have definitely been away for for cpd and uh, and courses and bcba board meetings and congress and such and and but it's just another challenge that we'll we'll adapt to when when it comes round yeah, it's yeah. just about adapting to those different challenges. Obviously, uh, with my first now being four years ago, uh, he was, what, seven months uh, when I went back to doing CPD. Um, and the first CPD I chose to do was actually, yeah, abroad. It was only Europe, but it was four days uh, totally away that I couldn't have even, if an accident happened, driven back. It was sort of quite a definite line that I'd made the choice to but um you adjust to it and yeah it was fine and it all went well but I think you being confident enough to do what you want and have sort of thought about it and planned it out I think is is the key really to fit it all in. Going back to pregnancy and working how uh, did you have any close shaves or mishaps whilst pregnant? Uh, there was one quite early on, uh, and this was in my first pregnancy, so I hadn't even told work yet. I hadn't told family or anyone. And it was actually a fairly new client that had moved to us mainly because of me being a family friend to her. Um, so a call came in, uh, probable cesarean. She runs a sort of show commercial beef cattle. So when she says it's a cesarean, it's a definite cesarean. <laughs> like you're not even going to really feel other than to see for position, you know, it is only coming out the side. Um, so I was all prepared. I'd thought about it when I was driving there going, is this the most sensible thing? But no, you know, this is this is all part of it. And then you get there and we hadn't done any cesareans there before. The previous vet um, liked to try and pull them with mixed success. I think I would phrase it as um, both from a calf survival and a cow uh, fertility point of view. But it was definite that the cesarean was the way we were going to go, but they hadn't got carving gates or really a a crush suitable for cesarean. So it was just tying it up and hoping for the best. And it was about midway through when the cow was starting to shuffle as you're doing that guddling round, just getting the calf in position. And I was obviously looking nervous and she did guess that I was pregnant. And then she had the feeling of, (laughs) oh, well, why are you doing this? I had the feeling of, oh, I've now told her she's going to tell everyone kind of a feeling. And then we both looked at each other and said, well, the cow's open, so should we just finish? (laughs) Um, And it went fine. But there was that moment of both of us thinking why are we here yeah um and then the other one was a bit later on I guess 
with my gung-ho attitude in my first pregnancy, just wanting to carry on as usual. Um, there'd never been problems before, um, but one of our sessions is all in locking head jokes. Um, and they were fine, but at the end, there was always the odd cows that wouldn't go in and you just did them in the cubicles, which nine out of ten times was always fine. Um, but we did agree not to do those after one tried to reverse on me with my arm still inside. And you just don't have that manoeuvrability that you think you've got when you've got a big bump in your way, really. Um, and obviously mm -hmm. goggles on your head, which farmers always think is funny anyway when you walk into things without a bump. So, yeah, I would advise really you know sticking to it we we knew it wasn't a good idea but we sort of joked about it whereas actually yeah you shouldn't really be pding in cubicles anyway let alone when you're yeah eight months pregnant that wasn't a good decision yeah yeah uh, but do, do you not find that some of the risky stuff that you shouldn't do whilst pregnant you probably shouldn't be doing anyway as a general sort of you know safety thing on farm I definitely did think more about things and I you know kind of I would you know there's a lot of times you know if they if they were struggling to get cattle up the race I would jump in the back pen with them and and give them a hand and uh, and help push cattle in and stuff like that and I definitely did a stop at a double take and thought I'll just stand here out the way you shouldn't be there in the first place probably in terms of health and safety Definitely. Um, a lot of the things we get drawn into from a health and safety on farm is generally poor anyway. You know, there's a lot of lone working and, um, you know, people just trying to get jobs done. And then you add vets in the mix and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just do it once. But really, you need to do this for next time. And then, of course, next time happens. And they're like, well, it was fine last time. And you sort of get into the routine of, OK, we have, we'll just do that behind the gate or, OK, I'll do it in the cubicle this time. And then that sort of leads to a, to that being the norm. Um, and then obviously you add pregnancy into the mix and it, it does sort of, yeah, open your eyes to, to the risks a bit more. Because of the jobs you're not doing either from choice or because that's what your risk assessment says, I think as a farm vet within the area, so I'm in the southwest, TB is always an issue and you do, oh, I definitely ended up doing a lot of TB testing and I actually thought even from a risk point of view, it's, it is lesser, but actually if you read a lot of the documentation, you're standing for probably the longest period of time compared to other calls where you're either walking around or it's a call, you get in your car, you go to do something else. Whereas testing, um, we're often sort of on farm for a good stint of hours, just standing in one place, just, you know, jab, jab, jab. And actually, I found that the hardest probably in my second pregnancy, just from a pelvis pain point of view. But you sort of thought, oh, well, this is the less risky job. But actually, that there are a lot of laws on how much standing to do. And that, that was one thing that I hadn't really considered. And then there's the practicality of just being honest with the farmer and the start of the day, um, if you're there for a long time, just going, do you have a toilet? Like, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about it because I think it's the same for all girls, whether you're pregnant or not, but toilet facilities on farm and just thinking about it compared to the boys that just stop in the hedge option, which is less option for, for women, really. And being pregnant, you know, that is something you do need to consider a little bit more but just ringing ahead or just thinking of which farms they are or for us we cover quite a large area and do sort of drug drop-offs at different vet practices and branches so just bearing in mind where the toilets are is quite a useful thing to plan ahead for yeah yeah definitely good point um i think um we've been pregnant and then followed by covid when you couldn't go into people's houses because of covid to go use the uh, toilet facilities it was it was quite handy to have spent a bit of time sort of in 
various secluded laybys, knowing where a good good quiet spot to to stop for a pregnancy we was. So <laughs> yeah, there definitely is the little things. Uh, it is the little things like that 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 become important. And I think I, for me. Because uh, I was quite gung-ho, I don't think I really turned anything down. Um, and I worked to sort of two weeks before my due date. And I pretty much, with the exception of that, um, had it been through lambing, I would have had to have a very different outlook in terms of not going to lambings and, uh, and, and sheep and, and handling aborted material and stuff like that through lambing time but I largely did whatever I was going to um what going to do but as a as a partner there's plenty of um admin stuff to be done and and health plans and things and we did have a plan in place that if I was unwell during my sort of towards the later end of my pregnancy that I could take over more of a of administrative role and and cover more of the drug buying and uh, and stuff like that um and maybe do more getting health plans up to date and stuff like that and we we had them plans in place that I could do more uh, um, uh, more of those sort of jobs but as it was I was I was lucky that I was I was quite well and and, and pretty did pretty much did most things that I was going to do anyway I think and I was quite adamant that I wanted to get all the big jobs done for my clients before I left on maternity leave so my last day working was 16th of December and I I PD'd and Yoni's blood sampled 130 beef suckler cows that day and uh, and like you say I was on my feet all day but moving about and so it wasn't too bad and and the farmer was quite worried that you know I had to be stood out the way and safe when they were moving cows around and he was a little bit sort of twitchy like you say opening a lot of carrying things and opening gates and things for me but uh, um but it, it, it worked fine and so but every pregnancy is different and um I was well um and able to work and and uh and sort of comfortable um doing those big jobs but we we did have plans in place that if I wasn't well there would be work for me to do yeah I was quite lucky I was well uh, throughout my both pregnancies I'm a lot tired uh, definitely in the second one but well so I kept going until that was two weeks before as well that's uh, when I left but one thing I did do probably helped because we are quite a big farm team was swapped and um, all my on calls to sort of earlier in the pregnancy so after about seven months I didn't think I had any nights on call equally there's always a second and it's just about being open and being prepared to ask for help really so from then on it was just any carvings or anything then we'd both go so I didn't feel like I was getting them to go but at least they were helping if anything did happen so that was the the gist we took was um, I just tried to swap all my on calls to earlier in the year which as a team we do a lot of swapping as on call anyway so it wasn't a big issue. I have to admit when I'm someone that likes to sort of read up and sort of arm myself with information and research and and evidence and I have to admit when I was first pregnant and the question I asked well how safe or not safe is you know the jobs that I want to go and do you know and and there's so little out there and it's the same as drugs that are safe and not safe during pregnancy considering nearly half the world's population is pregnant at some point we know so little about drugs that you can and can't take during pregnancy and and I think that I'm I was really disappointed about how little work has been done it's a little bit the same in terms of the the advice that's available in terms of what you should and shouldn't be doing and what you can and can't do whilst um pregnant 
you know, I, I asked the doctor, you know, what information is there with regards to sort of, you know, working with sheep that aren't pregnant and, and working with goats and such. And there was just so little there, you know, and when you research, when you looked at toxoplasma and, and toxoplasmosis risks, you looked at, um, you know, the main data out there was toxoplasmosis infections in pregnant women. And it was largely um, sort of other parts of Europe and uh, eating charcuterie, sort of uncooked pig meat and stuff like that. That was the big, you know, there was so little out there. Uh, and save that same as enzootic abortion, I was really surprised by how little information and, and, and when you start Googling and going around, I mean, the NHS website is just a classic. It basically says, thou shalt not go near any farm animals whilst pregnant and you kind of go that's not helpful that is not in any way helpful to me right now and that is just basically a thing yeah don't touch a farm animal don't go anywhere near him don't touch a cat poo don't go anywhere near it and you're kind of like this isn't helpful so you know it's it's something that bcba are looking at doing is trying to put together some sort of resources for pregnant farm vets and it's something that's in the pipeline for that reason that there is so little help support and information out there and and a a really good go-to place for information for um pregnant farm vets and uh, and a a place to really sort of try and collate the the evidence and work that that there is out there i think the main thing i read was um there's a practice article by fiona lovett about pregnancy and and sort of writing risk assessments and stuff like that and that was probably the single most helpful piece of information that i found when i was when i was looking because it is the unknown you just it's all you know first time around you just you have no idea what to expect it's totally the unknown and you keep asking yourself you know is is this normal is this normal because it's just yeah it's just so new um and especially when you're you are trying to sort of you know keep it under wraps in the early pregnancy that that you don't want people to know until you've had your scan or, or for whatever reasons um so you're trying to look after yourself but not say anyone anything to anything. So I, I did find that hard, but I, I definitely found it disappointing how little research there was out there, you know, how little information about, you know, kind of the question I had was, right, how many uh, pregnant farm vets have, or pregnant uh, sheep farmers' wives have believed to have contracted toxoplasmosis or um, enzootic abortion, camadophila, from uh, pregnant sheep? And there just isn't that information out there. And I found that quite disappointing. I guess what was different in my pregnancy number two was I did agree um, to tell work quite a lot earlier. Um, My relationship with my line manager, as you officially call it, was um, a lot better. I equally wanted them to be thinking ahead um, because I think we needed to get some interns or locums in to cover me this time because work was, you know, it was just going through one of those busy phases. So I did tell work, I was probably about six weeks. Um, but why I did that was in my head, I'd said, well, even if something does go wrong, I was going to tell the team anyway, because I think that's another thing we need to be a lot more open um, mm-hmm. and honest, not just within the industry, but across all females but equally it does affect the males um, as well maybe not biologically but mentally definitely Um, and I think that was really brought to the head with um, one of our other um, directors was going through fertility treatment 
unfortunately it wasn't successful with it that round um so i think as a team we were trying to be a lot more open about lots of things so i thought actually i will tell them because what's the worst that was going to happen was if anything did go wrong well i would have told them anyway so um that was what happened that time um yeah it was all done very subtly and then gradually there was sort of the big reveal moment i guess within the team it was just obvious sort of what was happening and then officially it, they were still told at the 12 after the 12 week scan but sort of everyone knew because of the way the calls were being allocated and things as well so that was a bit different um how as an employee did you find your employer find conversations difficult or find you were comfortable having those early conversations um i think the first time round i was definitely uncomfortable previously um, I guess work was in a difficult position because they'd had one other farm bet the year before get pregnant and go on maternity leave. But before then, there wasn't any um, maternity leave within the farm team. Um, there were other female vets, um, but they'd sort of come to their practice with sort of teenager aged children. So they sort of missed that stage out completely. So it was a concern equally um, within the other species teams there had obviously been pregnancies because they're quite a bit bigger than ours and some of them had come back to work well and others hadn't and then left so it was a concern but actually as we went through it the first one was very much just these are the steps to take sort of just ticking boxes but I think the second time trying to be more open um, and honest with everyone just being that bit I guess mature and more confident about it I think was a lot easier just from a look I've just been you know ill on farm can I go home because I'm feeling rubbish and it by all means send phone calls to me but I'm not going back out this afternoon kind of conversation was a lot better um, the second time rather than I think when you're not being open and you're sort of trying to fight it all, then, you know, you're, you've been up all night with a, with a toddler. You've then been ill all morning. The worst thing you want is to just go on those sort of annoying calls in the afternoon, particularly within a big team when there are plenty of other people to be doing it that actually are more than happy to do it. You just don't want to ask them. That was quite a problem, I think, in the first, first pregnancy. Behind the scenes at board level, we are continuing to work and discuss on this and look into possible member resources for managing this topic. So please join in either on our social media platforms such as Facebook and Twitter or email us at office at cattlebet.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you and thank you for listening.